Psalm 58. We'll be in Psalm 58 tonight. A short little psalm, only 11 verses. This is another one of those that uh, may be kind of kind of difficult to wrap our head around at, at, at first glance. Uh, so we'll talk about about it a little bit. We'll talk about what it says and, and maybe some things to consider when we read a psalm like this. Psalm 58. This is a Davidic psalm, and we see in the superscription of it that it also has the, the words, Do not destroy, which we talked about last week. Last week's psalm, this week, and then Psalm 59 all, all have that, that, that title, Do not destroy, in the superscription. And like many of the things we've discussed, it's hard to know exactly what that means. It, it seems clear from the psalm that we're about to read tonight that this, this title, Do Not Destroy, does not really apply to the content of the psalm. As we're going to see, that, that appears to be just what David is asking the Lord for, for destruction to come to those who are evil. And so, as I said last week, it's, it's really uncertain as to what this phrase and many others mean, uh, but, but one of the, the biggest uh, uh, possibilities that's often suggested is that do not destroy is, uh, is some type of tune or something that has to do with music, a tune to be sung by, or something that would have helped people who may have been singing this uh, psalm that David wrote. So, let's read through all 11 verses, and then we will talk about it. Psalm 58, verse 1. Do you really speak righteously, you mighty ones? Do you judge people fairly? No, you practice injustice in your hearts. With your hands, you weigh out violence in the land. The wicked grow astray from the womb. Liars err from birth. They have venom like the venom of a snake, like the deaf cobra that stops up its ears, that does not listen to the sound of the charmers who skillfully weave spells. God knocked the teeth out of their mouths. Lord, tear out the young lion's fangs. They will vanish like water that flows by. They will aim their useless arrows. Like a slug that moves along in slime, like a woman's miscarried child, they will not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether green or burning, he will sweep them away. The righteous one will rejoice when he sees the retribution. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Then people will say, yes, there is a reward for the righteous. There is a God who judges on earth. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we look at this passage, we look at these verses, and this is kind of some intense stuff, dear Lord. So I pray that as we look at it, you can guide us Dear Lord, to understand a little bit about it, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to grow in your word, even the ones that may not at first glance seem like there's much in them, God. There's something there, and even if we don't quite get it tonight, just help it to tuck it away in our heart and just remember it's part of your word, so let us learn what we can from it. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross and help me as I try to preach and teach tonight and let your Holy Spirit do the work in our hearts through your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is some pretty crazy language that we see in this psalm, is it not? We see 
something similar that we've seen with David for the last several Psalms. We've seen pretty regularly over the last couple of months. And that is, enemies are upon David. They are against David. And David's prayer here is that God would deliver him from those enemies. And he starts off at the beginning talking about those enemies, that they are wicked. They think they are mighty. They think that they are in control, but really uh, they, are, they are wicked, evil people, even from birth, he says. In verse 2, he says, you practice injustice in your hearts. With your hands, you weigh out violence in the land. And so he's talking about these evil, violent, wicked people who are against him. And he continues on as he goes and compares them in verse 4 to uh, snakes and venomous snakes. He says they have venom like the venom of a snake, like the deaf cobra that stops up its ears. And so uh, these enemies, he, he compares them to a snake with venom. He compares them to a lion with fangs. And so we get an imagery here as to what David is comparing these enemies to. These are, these are vicious deadly enemies that are coming against David. He even says that their ears are stopped up like a snake who won't respond to a charmer who's trying to get the snake to dance. He says, look, you you evil people are, are just like that snake. Your ears are stopped up. You're not listening to anything. You think you are mighty. You are wicked. You are evil. There is no hope for you. There is no change for you. You have been evil since your birth. And so David is, is spelling a pretty uh, pretty powerful picture of these enemies that are coming against him. Now, I don't know what situation exactly David was going through when he wrote these words. It doesn't uh, really tell us here. But whatever enemies he's talking about, he is speaking harshly about these enemies. And then the, the, the psalm gets a little difficult, at least for me and maybe for you too, in uh, verse Six, where David says, God, knock the teeth out of their mouths. Lord, tear out the young lion's fangs. Now, that's a verse that maybe we need to talk about for a little while. Now, we talked about a similar type verse a few weeks back when David was, was, was speaking in a similar way. And here he's praying to God that God would not the teeth from the enemy's mouths. Now, this seems like a pretty, uh, a pretty strong prayer. He says, look, that, the, that the, the arrows that the enemies aim are useless. He's saying, look, when God does come onto the scene, when God does begin to deal with these enemies, they're going to be powerless against God. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 8, he says, like a slug that moves along in slime, like a woman's miscarried child, they will not see the sun. And so, He's acknowledging how wicked they are, and then he prays that God would bring a destruction on them, and then he says, and when God does bring that destruction, your 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 weapons will be useless, and you will uh, not stand a chance. You will not see the sun of day when the Lord acts against you. And verse 6 may be a difficult passage because are we to follow David's example here? Is this the type of prayers that we are to pray for those enemies who come against us? Now, obviously, this is part of God's word, but just because David prays in this way, is this the example that we are to follow? Well, I can't tell you the answer to that for sure, but I can tell you what I believe we should consider when we think about that. Now, 
it, it's probably easy for us if we have people who have wronged us in our life to, 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 to maybe be tempted to want evil to happen to those people. Now, we want justice to be served, and that is not an evil thing. To want justice to be served is not a sinful thing at all, I do not believe. But we have to be careful. If we, if we begin to hate people who have wronged us and our prayers begin to be, God, destroy them, then chances are it may lead to some sinfulness in our life and our attitudes and our actions and the way that we treat those people. Now, are we supposed to ask God to, to destroy our enemies? Well, I don't know if we should or not. Perhaps there are occasions where that needs to be our prayer. But on verses like this, I would rather err on the side of caution. And what, what I mean by that is, is that Jesus gives us a much more clear teaching, I believe, in the New Testament. There are some scriptures we look at, and maybe they're not as clear as we would like them to be. And maybe this is one of those scriptures. Maybe this is one of those passages where we look at that and we think, well, boy, David prayed in that way. He wanted that type of harm to come to his enemies. Should we pray in this way? Well, if you're like me, you may say, I'm not really sure if we should pray in this way or not. So are there any other scriptures that we make it see more clearly to help us to understand and decide what we should do? And I think that there are. I think when we uh, look at the teachings of Jesus, we see a little more clearly uh, maybe spelled out how we are to treat our enemies are in the writings of Paul in the New Testament. And we will uh, talk about that in just a second. We'll get there. But I wanted to finish up uh, this psalm before we do. Now, in verse 9, this is a difficult verse. Uh, it says something along the lines of, Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether green or burning, he will sweep them away. Now, depending on your translation, uh, it may be worded a little different, but it's going to say something along those lines. And quite frankly, that does not really make a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's not something that you read and you say, oh, I know what that means. Uh, the reason for that is, is that in the Hebrew, that, that particular sentence, that phrase, is very difficult uh, for translators to translate. Even the translators aren't quite sure how to put those key parts together and translate them in a way to show what that verse means. And so your translations may differ in, 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 in how it reads, but none of them, I don't believe, at least not to me, and maybe it is to you, are, are super clear when you read through that. What does it mean before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether green or burning? Well, it's difficult, as I said, even in the Hebrew among the translators, they have difficulty deciding uh, how, how that should be uh, phrased and worded. But uh, probably the best suggestion that I have discovered is that this is speaking of the, the, the swiftness with which God's judgment will come on these evil people. That is that uh, if you have a pot and you're trying to warm it up, that, that thorns, uh, whatever type of thorns they were using, would warm a pot up very quickly. And so... If David is saying here, 
before the pot feels the heat of the thorns, God, you will sweep them away. Perhaps what David is trying to say here is that God is going to act quickly. He is going to hear his prayer. He's going to come against those enemies, and he's going to act quickly. Now, that's probably uh, of, of the suggestions that I have read, the best one that I have come across. But uh, if you want to study this verse some more, it's an interesting verse to study, and uh, you may come up with a, a better, better solution than that. In verse 10, David begins to shift gears. If God's going to come and he's going to bring swift judgment on these enemies, then what's going to happen? He says in verse 10, The righteous one will rejoice when he sees the retribution. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Then people will say, Yes, there is reward for the righteous. There is a God who judges the earth. Now, here we see a distinction between who David has been talking about and who he's switching to. He's been talking about the wicked, the evil, who seem to be getting away with the evil that they are committing, with the wickedness they are committing. But David says, but when the Lord comes, when the Lord intervenes, when the Lord sweeps them away, the righteous will rejoice. The righteous will say, oh yes, the Lord is finally taking care of us. The Lord is finally bringing justice. And they say there is a God who judges on earth. Now, I believe that this that this type of praise is pro <coughs> excuse me is probably going to be the same type of praise that all of God's children will will utter at some point in time when all things are finished and God is victorious. I believe that this type of praise may be something that all believers say. Praise the Lord. He has been just. He has delivered those who are righteous, and he has dealt with sin. He has dealt with death. He has dealt with the devil. He has dealt with those who are wicked and were willing and wanting to live in wicked, wickedness apart instead of turning to him. So perhaps this may be the same type of praise that each of us will utter when God's justice is, is, is seen perfectly when he deals with evil once and for all. But back to the question that we that we trailed off from a minute ago, and that is, when we see David praying things like, God knocked the teeth out of their mouths. Well, there's a couple of ways we can take this. He's talking about, about the lions there, and so it's possible he's simply saying, God, a lion's teeth is what causes pain. A lion without teeth is it's probably not going to be ferocious. You wouldn't be uh, as scared of him. And, and, and David may simply be saying here, God, take away their power. God, take away their strength. God, take away uh, the thing that, that I'm afraid of. So even when they come against me and bite me, there's no harm that will come to me. That's, that's a good possibility that that's, a, that's what David means here when he says God knocked the teeth out of their mouths because he talks about the lion there. Uh, if, if we are to hold the view that David may be uh, praying for some kind of destruction uh, and some kind of vengeance against his enemy, well, David may be doing that. But even if David is doing that, it does not necessarily mean that David is right in doing that. There are lots of men and women in Scripture who were godly men or women, and they are recorded as doing some things, but that doesn't mean that all the things that they are recorded as doing and saying are what God wanted them to do or say. So even if David here is saying, all right, 
I want you to destroy them, God. I, I want you to bring vengeance on them. I want you to take care of them. I don't know that we should follow David's example, and I think that Romans is a is a good is a good uh, passage for us to look at to to uh, talk about that in more detail. Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve, verse eighteen. If we are on the fence and say, well, I don't know what to do with my enemies, I think that uh, it would benefit us to, one, look at Jesus' teachings on our enemies, that he tells us we are to love our enemies, and two, look at this passages like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, and see what Paul's instructions tell us. Now, our natural inclination may be that of wanting destruction and and bad things to come on our enemies but that is not i believe the heart that god would like for us to have romans chapter 12 verse 18 if possible on your part live at peace with everyone now let's stop there for just a second paul acknowledges that it is not always possible that is that there are going to be sometimes that you are going to do all that is within your power to live at peace with people, and it's not going to be peaceful. Now, it should never, it should never be unpeaceful for lack of trying on our part. We must make every attempt to live peaceably with people. And even if we do everything just right and make every proper attempt, that does not necessarily mean that all of our situations will end peacefully. But it's our obligation, it's our calling, it's our duty as Christians is to do all we can to live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, Friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for his wrath. That is God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. So, on the situations in our life where we may be tempted to seek revenge and for to, to bring some type of destruction on people, uh, we may need to pump the brakes a little bit. And Paul says that here. Look, don't, don't try to avenge people who wrong you yourselves, but instead wait on the Lord because the Lord will one day deal with the wicked. Now, that's exactly what David was saying in Psalm 58 at the end of the psalm. The righteous were rejoicing. Why? Because God was going to do, or had done in David's case, exactly what Paul says. Wait on the Lord, and he will take care of the wicked at the proper time. And that's what Paul is telling us to do here. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So just the opposite of what our natural inclination may be, that is when people do us wrong, we want to do wrong back to them. Paul says, stop, live at peace with people if you can, wait on the Lord and let him take care of any evil or wickedness. And instead of you trying to do it yourself, while you're waiting on the Lord, you just love on those who have done wrong to you. If your enemy is hungry, then give them something to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, then give them something to drink. 
Now, if we are on the fence sometimes about some of these things that maybe we have seen David say and say, well, boy, uh, David seems to be speaking pretty harsh of his enemies and he seems to be saying things that maybe we shouldn't say or doing things that we shouldn't do. Well, if we're on the fence about those things, I believe the New Testament teaching of Jesus and here of Paul is pretty clear that we are not to retaliate against our enemies, but we are to leave that up to God. Now, that uh, is, is very well what David was doing in Psalm 58. If we say when David asked God to knock out the teeth of the enemies, what he is possibly saying there, and I believe probably, uh, is symbolic language. God, take their strength, that they don't have any more bite. And what God would be, excuse me, what David is saying in that instance is, God, I'm going to let you deal with these enemies. I'm going to let you deal with the wicked. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us to do. And it appears that that's probably what David was doing as well. And that's why at the end of the psalm, he's praising God because God has done just what he had prayed for. God had dealt with the wicked. And the same is true for you and I. God will deal with the wicked that we are up against. There are lots of people and lots of temptations and sinful things that we are up against and battling against. But God will help us to overcome those evils and overcome that wickedness in this world. It's not to say that it will be easy. It may not always be easy when uh, enemies come against us, but God will help us to overcome our enemies. It may not always seem fair either because we may see people who are living wickedly and it may appear as though they are getting away with everything. And we say, well, that's not fair. The wicked will get away with everything, and here I am struggling in this area and that area, and I'm trying to do right, but look at them. They're, they're living for the devil, and they're getting away with everything. Well, we may see that, and we may get frustrated, but we need to, we need to take a step back and, and, and look at passages like these that we look at tonight in Romans 12 and in Psalm 58. And remember, no, the, the wicked will not go unpunished. They may get away with some things, if we can call it that, in this world, but they're really not getting away with anything. The righteous will be delivered, the righteous will be rewarded, and the wicked will be punished. We can bank on that because God's word says so. We just have to ask God to help us to be patient. We have to ask God to help us not to seek revenge. We have to ask God to help us to overcome those wicked temptations that we may be up against, those wicked people that we may be up against. Because when we seek the Lord, we will overcome the wicked, both the wickedness, the, the sin that we, that we are tempted by and the wicked people that come against us. If we trust the Lord, we will overcome what is wicked. And in Romans 12, 21, uh, there's a good, a, good, a good word for us there that says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And we need to remember that, that we... When, when evil people and evil things happen in our life, we're not going to overcome by fighting evil with evil. We are going to come, overcome by fighting evil with good. And that is the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the goodness of God's word. That's what's going to get us through. That's what's going to help us to conquer uh, and to overcome the wickedness that we are against. And that's all we can do is, is, is be good and live for the Lord and let the Lord take care of the rest. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray that you help us to learn from them and to grow in them, God. I pray that you would help us to 
to let you fight our battles. Dear Lord, it's hard. Sometimes we think we need to help you out a little bit. But God, you can, you can handle our battles. You know what we're up against. You know the temptations we battle against. You know the enemies who come against us, the people who may not like us and who may attack us in some way or another. Dear Lord, you know who those enemies are and you know what our struggles are. But I pray that we would just trust you and let you fight those battles. And God, you're going to sort it all out. So just help us to be obedient to you and to be good and to live righteously for you, dear Lord. And when the time comes, God, you will deal with the wicked. But help us not to be those who are in the, in the group of the wicked. But God, help us to be those who are not overcome by evil, but those who overcome evil with your goodness. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.